have long hair, don't care. We're good to go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I'm Tony, and I'm Tim. <laughs> We're we'll figure out our we'll figure out how to do an intro later. We'll get it figured out. We're we'll get, getting it. We'll get our people on it. <laughs> what? That's just me. Yeah. Our people. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you think I'm supposed to do any of this? <laughs> well, you help out half the time. Half the time. <laughs> so, uh, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, cannibalism! Alright, well... Well... I was, par- I was going to eat dinner, but... A part of it. Yeah, think it, that's not pepperoni on the pizza. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to talk about cannibalism, specifically a Native American creature known as the Wendigo. There are plenty of stories about this creature. God, there is. There is so much mythos around this thing, and there's so many aspects to approach it with. I mean, there's obviously the pop culture and everything that's involved in, and then there's the actual mental disorder associated with it, and mm-hmm. then there's the cryptid side of it. Oh, yep. Uh, so, which one did you want to tackle? <laughs> I think we should... Let's start off with some of the historical aspects of it. Okay. I mean, we've got the Native American tribes that mm, yeah. I looked into it just as much. There, the Wendigo is not just in one specific Native American tribe. Yeah. The Algonquian and the Ojibwe are good examples, yeah. but they, but they, the creature has also appeared in various others that, for for the life of me, have escaped my mind. There's one that comes up to mind, um, and this will tie into one of my favorite movies, Pet Cemetery. Yes, the Micmacs. Absolutely, that movie. That's one of that movie still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. They did way too good of a of a. And this is the 1980s version, not the not yeah, the remake, not the new garbage one, not the remake. This is the old one. The old one was creepy as sin. I think it's also because they had so limited like computers or whatever mm-hmm. that. That that's why it's creepier because it's more realistic. Yeah. In fact, the guy who was um, Pascal, the dead guy, mm-hmm. he was in makeup even during lunch. So he said, oh, he said, he said people didn't want to sit near him because he grossed them out so much. I mean, yeah. I mean, I yeah, <laughs> but like he was a, like a really decent dude. Otherwise, anyway. So the Wendigo, the uh, monster, the myth, the legend, the historical side, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Native American legend that's been passed down generation to generation through stories, through word, very little written down about it, which is, I love that kind of stuff because it's always kind of hard to trace it back. Oh, yeah, which mean, which then gives you the question of where did this start? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, historically, um, the Wendigo was... I don't want to say an excuse, but the reasoning behind someone being lost in the Great Canadian North, which is where this whole thing originated from mm. with these tribes, Probably. was the excuse for someone having to resort to cannibalism. Yeah. And trying to survive just getting through a blizzard or through one of these harsh, harsh winters. And Canadian winters are really harsh. Like, we live down in a normally more temperate area, so our Mm. winters aren't nearly as bad. But even going just north to, like, Chicago, their winters are rough. So going further deep into the Yukon, the the Canadian Rockies, all of that up there, you are going to be under feet of snow. Yeah. It basically, this thing is supposed to represent human greed, obviously, and then tying in with, like, gluttony and just 
basically falling back into a pure animalistic state and just eating to survive. Mm-hmm. But then once this spirit, this disorder, whatever you want to describe it as, sort of takes hold, that's it for you. Like you become the Wendigo. Like you become this bestial werewolfish kind of creature and you just keep eating. Yeah, you have an insatiable hunger. Yeah. You just want to eat everything in sight. Nothing yeah. will stop you. And it's even in modern societies and in, in these tribes, it's still referred to as a symbol of pure greed, pure gluttony, pure just... Uh, excess. Ex- uh, yeah, excess. And it's just... I love that part of it because it's still represented in these tribes and in their mythos and in mm-hmm. their history. Oh, yeah. I can actually see it as like, you know, cannibalism. Because think about it. Back in, back in the... Back in the early times, like even pre-settled, even pre-colonizers, mm-hmm. pre-colonizers, Native American tribes who lived out in those areas, cannibalism was a bit more common, especially when food, especially when like, you know, stag were low and other meat sources were low. Yeah. It's like you had to go to the next person and perhaps just one day, one day, you know, uh, tribe elders said, you know what, enough, let's have this story about this thing this moral this moralistic creature that's don't be a cannibal yeah and there's even ceremonies looking through and the i'm not even going to try and butcher these some of these tribal names but um in the Cree tribe that's the one i can't pronounce um there's a satirical ceremonial dance they perform during times of famine to reinforce the serious seriousness of the wendigo taboo of being greedy the ceremony known as Windigu Kaz Imowen. Yep. Good try. It's Good try. Attempted. Um, involved wearing masks, dancing backwards around drums. Last known ceremony was conducted at Lake Windigo of Star Island of Cass Lake, located in the Leech Lake Indian Reservation in northern Minnesota. Oh, wow. So it's still a thing. Like we said, it's still a thing for these tribes for their for their uh history not not to go a little bit but that remind that this this like ritual this festival ceremony mm-hmm. the ceremony that they do it sort of reminds me of krampusnacht out in the yeah. alpine region of germany because it's a yeah. bunch of people dressing up in furry suits and masks running around drunk just trying to scare kids Be- to i not- mean that's just me on halloween <laughs> But yeah, just running around scaring kids, shaking big bells and chains, just like. But it's but it's all in fun because yeah. it's it's because no one's actually gonna get like taken away and punished. It's just like ah, eh, Grandpa's is here. He's gonna be scary. But with these guys, it's a thing. Like it's super serious. Oh no! By all means, and, like absolutely. And that's what's so interesting is that they still hold on to this, mm-hmm. and I love that for it for them is because they can still hold on to their history oh, so yeah. well. But the best documented incidents sort of going into the psychosis of it, of resort of the mental resorting to cannibalism and becoming this Wendigo psychosis, as, as they refer to it. Uh, this Cree Native American named Swift Runner was uh, accused of killing his wife and five of his six children going from point A to point B and resorted to cannibalism and was 
found out, executed, and, you know, the whole thing. But they still believe to this day that this man was possessed by a Wendigo spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's why he resorted to killing his family. But he murdered his family in 1879. Um, Doesn't have a date or anything, but he was arrested on May 27th of the same year. So probably a month or two prior to, I imagine. And since you said it was May that he was arrested, two months ago would have been March, which would have still been a pretty rough part of winter. Yeah, it would have been the tail end. Yeah. So, but the methods he employed were shooting some of his family members and then actually hitting them with axes, you know, skull side. Yeah. And then just cooking up the food, dining out. Yeah. Yeah. You got Junior, got Junior over a spit roast right now. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was a lot. That was dark oh. even for me. Oh. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> They actually, I've actually got pictures of him. Yeah. He looks like a completely normal guy, except for the massive chain and ball and chain around his ankle. No kidding. Yeah. They've actually got a picture of some of his, the remains. I've got two skulls. I think I see a hip bone, a couple of leg bones. Mm Mm-hmm. And he admitted willingly without like very little interrogation. He was like, yeah, I, I, I killed. Well, most occasions, Wendigos, they're arguably, they're not liars. Yeah. But at the same token, it's like, what are you going to do? Oh, I can see some of these photos. Those are, that is morose. Mm-hmm. And he does look like an ordinary dude. Just looks like a dad and yeah. got a big old ring, got a ring and a ball of chain. Yeah. And he was actually what, and this is why the Wendigo spirit took him, allegedly. Mm-hmm is they weren't that far away from a food for, food source. They were less than 25 miles away from a, uh, a post, a checkpoint, Yeah, for that kind of situation. And he just, I guess he either snapped or just thought they weren't going to make it and resorted to it. And that greed of not wanting to wait and just dining now is what uh, the Wendigo spirit supposedly took over. Yeah, I can see that. Eventually, he was he confessed. He was executed by authorities. There's so much to this article that I found. They'd actually never even performed an execution in this region of Alberta, so they had to build the entire um, hanging gallows. Yeah, before they could even execute him. I don't even know where to start with some of the details of this guy. Well, you can always start at the beginning, right? <laughs> He was from the north end of the Edmonton area. Okay. I'm... He was over six foot tall, so he was in my height range. So he wasn't a small guy at all. And he didn't look like a small guy either. No. Like he looked like he was looked like he was also like you know fairly sizable in weight class as well. Yeah. Nothing out. I mean, husband, father, normal guy didn't yeah. have any really weird things to him. But he actually came back. To, I believe, where they left from Fort Edmonton, I believe. Yeah. They had started traveling out, and then the incident happened, and he actually came back Mm -hmm. to Fort Edmonton. And he was like, I don't know. He obviously, he tried to cover it up at first, like, I don't know what happened. They died in the snowstorm, or something happened to him. But then he just came forward and said, yeah, Wendigo took over. Well, actually, not yet. Uh oh. Mounted police were tipped off by his in laws like this something's not right. 
you need to talk to him. You need to go figure out what happened. Yeah. They bring him out. They have him follow or have him take them to their campsite and everything. And they had a small group of people go out to their last campsite. He willingly showed everything, the small grave near one of the camp or near the camp. Um, His oldest son had actually died of natural causes and they had buried him on site. Mm Mm-hmm. But there were a bunch of bones scattered around the campsite. They actually found a full, fully intact skull, which I assume you probably saw a picture, was actually his wife's. And he he admitted to it. Wow. And then they found another skull from one of his other children. Yeah, I saw those photos. And then he finally came clean. He said Wendigo had been haunting his dreams the past two days prior to the incident happening. Mm -hmm. Um... The spirit was telling him to kill the family, you know, eat their bones, eat their flesh, all this stuff, all this macabre, horrible stuff. And he obliges the talking or the the voice in his head. Well, from from what I've gathered with some stuff with uh, Wendigos is that they are powerful, malevolent creatures. Yeah. They have sway over a lot. Yeah. And then once he finally, I guess agreed to the terms and conditions of this idea, killed his wife first, ate her. Mm -hmm. His children, he all started killing, and his younger brother, actually. Ugh. The the spirit, uh, the spirit slash swift runner. I'm going to top your dark dark comment. Talk about a family man. The spirit hung swift runner's infant by the neck from a lodgepole and tugged at the baby's dangling feet. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Um, obviously, everything, they they hauled him back to, uh, back into town after that, uh, confession with the evidence. Yeah. And all the bones, everything. They sentenced him pretty much immediately. I don't think... I imagine there wasn't much of a trial. Oh, yeah. No, it was... Um, after that description... After that description... It, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. The trial began on August 8th, 1879. Judge and jury didn't view the Wendigo idea the same light as the Cree Nation does. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're white people. We don't believe in that. Yeah. They just saw him as a murderer. And he was like, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, it's like if you were a werewolf and you couldn't control it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, put me out. Yeah, just like, please, silver bullet. But they erected the uh, gallows mm-hmm. at Fort Saskatchewan, and they uh, sent him out to hang on December 20th at the tail end of 79. Yeah. It took over two hours for them to get everything put together. Oh, Lord. Because just missed up after mistake, after whoopsie-daisy. The Wendigo um, was furthering the pain. Yeah. One of the trestles wasn't um, nailed in properly, so it fell down. They had to put it back up. Um, they <laughs> had to... I think it, there was a key issue. They couldn't get him out of his cell. Just little things. The... It was this, a Monday. Uh, the, uh, it's more like Wendigo Wednesday, I swear. Like the Wendigo... Wendigo Wednesday? Wendigo Wednesday. <laughs> but it's like the Wendigo definitely is just like, uh, you know what, I like dramatic pauses. Yeah. So, bow, bow, bow. Um, They finally hung him. 
He dropped five feet and just... All right, so next snapped immediately. Yeah, pretty much a next snap immediately. All that, all that preamble and then... I'm going to double down on my other previous dark statement. Oh, Lord. <sighs> Nevertheless, the mounted police must have accomplished their first execution well enough. A more experienced spectator, a Californian... Coming up from uh, gold mining and, I guess, moving up to that area. Yep. Commented, that's the prettiest hanging I ever seen, and it's the 29th. Oh, Lord. <sighs> Considering, though, that you say that person's from California after the gold rush, yeah, that sounds about right. Lawless West, and if you were convicted of anything, usually public hangings were a, were a thing. Yeah. So... But that sounds about right. He went up to Canada because there's gold in them there hills. Yeah. The funniest serial killer's last words are always kind of interesting. Yeah. I've got his last words. Oh. Um, standing over the uh, trap, the trap door, the uh, Mr. Mister Runner, Swift Runner, mm-hmm. um, given the opportunity to address the large crowd that had gathered about 60, 70 people that had never seen a hanging. Except for California, man. <laughs> um, he open, openly acknowledges guilt, saying, yes, I did do this. Yes, I am guilty. I am ready. He then thanked his jailers for their kindness and then berated his guard for making him wait in the cold. <laughs> I mean, it is December 20th in Alberta, Canada. Like, No wonder it took two hours. The Wendigo was out on the outskirts just doing messing up because they're big prevalent in the winter. All sorts of stuff with this guy. Mm. I mean, they have a whole section just on the probably 20-minute trial. 20-minute trial. I I imagine it couldn't have been much longer than that. Mm. I mean, he admitted guilt. I also don't know how, like, Canadian justice works. Because I don't know if it's a jury of your 12 peers like it is down here. Or what it was like back then. Because when was this? The 1870s? Yeah. Late 1800s. Yeah, so definitely the justice the judicial system back then definitely way different than how it is today. Yeah, because if it if that happened today, it would have taken at least two weeks, and there would have been a lot of back and forth debate. So the sheriff that was supposed to basically give him his last rights was delayed by the snow and the weather. Of course, um, it was supposed to pay, take place at 7:30 that morning, with less than half an hour to go. The crowd had taken the trap from the gallows and burned it as kindling. <laughs> then the hangman had forgotten to bring straps to bind the prisoner's arms. As the sheriff and the hangman were rushing to get the scout, put some more scaffolding back up. Swift Turner sat near one of the fires, joking and chatting, snacking on um, pemmican, pemmican, some food of some nature. The noose still hanging around his neck, just waiting. What Marx Brothers nonsense is this? I could kill myself with a tomahawk and save the hangman further trouble. (laughs) (laughs) What? This is some Marx Brothers level nonsense. This is Mel Brooks level nonsense. Yeah, I was going to say, I get some Blazing Saddles vibes. It's like, hey, look at that. No noose is good noose. Ah. Mm, no noose is good news. Well, yes. <laughs> it just, this just was a calamity after calamity of just, just leading up to the execution. Completely ignoring the fact that this man killed his entire family and ate them. 
Yeah, you just <laughs> they're just chatting. They're just chatting with a killer. His last night before he was executed, um, he spent the night with a priest. Not in that way. Don't get weird. I I know what it means to. Sp- I, he had his he had his last he had his last God given rights. Yeah. The whole like you know Hail Mary Hail Mary virtue Saint yada yada yada. The the white man has ruined me. He said, "I don't think their God could amount to could amount too much." I wonder if his last meal involved fava beans and a Chianti. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that was the most famous trial murder case, everything that I could find. I, I can see why. That just, just before the trial and everything, I mean, it's a horrid case. I mean, five out of six kids are killed at his own hands. Mm-hmm. Kills his wife, kills his younger brother just slaughters and they're like a couple hours walk away from 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 a food source from a food source yeah it that always gets me it always does drive me curious what goes through someone's mind what goes through someone's head when when they you know kill another person and then consume their flesh like what goes through their minds That, that that's always been something that's curious to me like not even just about the Wendigo, just like whenever we whenever we hear about cannibals in true in true crime or news stories, or even stuff in film and television, it's always just curious. Like what drives them? It's always been a fascinating thing of mine. I feel like a good question would be barbecue or ketchup sauce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it got to be ketchup because apparently human tastes like pig. Barbecue then. That's what I said, right? Barbecue. You said ketchup. Yeah, okay, but barbecue. You're, I re- you're great at this. You're doing great. Ah, yeah. We're professionals. Yeah, professional, Absolutely. professional idiots. There we go. I can agree with you on that one. <laughs> but yeah, it just that was a ridiculous story. That was true. I mean, it, he was executed. He was a human being. His there were remains. Mm-hmm. All this stuff did happen. Now it makes me effort. Now that offers me a question. So we've had a we've had a convicted Wendigo, mm-hmm. and he was captured. Do we have Wendigo hunters? Yes. That is a question I thought to ask. Yeah, I did find a. I think it was a Jerry Fiddler. I think maybe Fid- Fiddler on the Roof. Fid- Fiddler in the Great White North. Okay, there we go. Well, it's technically America's roof. Yeah, Jack Fiddler. Sorry. There we go, Jack Fiddler. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Alrighty. This name, this, his native name, um, from an OG Crete, I guess, merge? Yeah. Uh, I need another drink turn before I pronounce this thing. I did look his name up. Would you like me to assist you? No, you can go ahead and try. I want to hear how bad you butcher it. To anybody who is, you know, a Native American speaker, especially if you're Algonquian, Ojibwe, or any, you know, up we north. We are so sorry. Yeah, we are very sorry. We are, <laughs> I'm usually pretty good at pronouncing uh, names that are not English. I'm usually pretty good about that. Tony is that can, a nine in that name? I feel like there should be a nine in there or something. But Tony can attest on this one. Like, I'm pretty good about that. But mm-hmm. when, but this is one I'm gonna have to get on about. So I, if I do butcher, I'm sorry. Jawuno uh, Jizigo Gabao, best I can do. What's you? <laughs> or Mezanin Mesnathino. He who stands in the southern sky. 
That's the translation. And that's uh, way, that sounds way nicer. That's a lot easier. Than my butchering. That rolls off a lot, a lot easier on the tongue. Jack Fiddler was one of the very few and probably the most famous um, Wendigo hunter. Mm-hmm. So, most dangerous game? Big time most dangerous game, because you're going up against other humans, pretty much. That are possessed, allegedly. Allegedly! Allegedly. He was a Ojima, Ogima, a chief or, or chief and shaman, so mm-hmm. he was top end of his tribe, of his group, and he hunted Wendigos for, I want to say, pastime, but as his profession. We had discussed this a little bit earlier before. I think you said there were 14 confirmed, well, confirmed air quotes, Wendigo kills he had under his belt. Somewhere in that range. Which is, one would argue, pretty impressive. A hunter's dozen. A hunter's dozen. (laughs) (laughs) That could be 14 for all we know. He was a famous shaman for his alleged ability to conjure animals and protect people, protect his people from spells mm-hmm. and the people of the region. So just, he's got a wide berth of supporters of supporters and a great deal of responsibility. Oh yeah, and definitely probably a lot of street cred too. Yeah. Like major sway, like if, uh, if he were to come walking up, if he were to come walking up and there's an issue going on, I'm pretty certain his word... Like, he's not yeah. part of the village, but, like, they would listen, they would hear him out and go, we're going to consider him. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, he claimed to have defeated 14 Wendigos. Oof. That's better Damn. than my, better than my Wendigo kill count. Yeah. Zero. Uh, really? Well, I got two. What video game? Apparently some, <laughs> apparently some of these Wendigos were sent against his people, against his people by enemy shamans, so, uh. That seems a little rude. Enemy shamans. Yeah, and other mem- others were members of his own band of tri- or band of people who were taken over by the Wendigo psychosis, the Wendigo spirit. Mm-hmm. In the latter of that situation of his own people becoming possessed, he was usually asked by the family family members to eliminate the situation. Which that's got that's got to be weird to ask. Uh, one of your political spiritual leaders to uh, off your family member. They didn't do like some type of exorcism. Well, yeah, I, I, extreme exorcism, I guess. But I mean, then again, but then again, this is kind of jumping into a bit into folklore is that some say that if you wind up consuming the flesh of somebody, you don't just you're not just possessed by the Wendigo. No, you, you, you are the yeah, Wendigo. You become. You do not get the spirit out of you. You are no. the spirit. Yeah, there is no exercising that demon. There is removing all life from that. Mm-hmm. Do they say how he dis- how he would dispatch them? I'm looking through that and um they've got a section of just his interaction with Wendigos. But I did actually look that up. Because I was curious, how do you kill a Wendigo? Mm-hmm. Their heart. No kidding. Apparently you're supposed to, um, I want to say vampire, you know, stake through the heart sort of situation, but remove their frozen ice heart mm-hmm. and destroy it. And that would kill the Wendigo spirit, but in the process, killing whoever was possessed by. I actually did look into that part as well, just for good measure. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of details. Okay. So it's like... There are ways to deter Wendigos. One is fire. They hate fire. 
So if you want to, so if you want, because they're creatures of cold, it makes yeah. sense. If you want to keep distance between you and them, have a fi- have a have a big forest fire between the both. Have of you. a camp out, pretty much. Like have have a have a literal ring of fire of like fire pits all around you. One to go, won't go near you. There's that, and then silver. Since you brought up silver earlier, yeah. they have werewolf rules, and they do have this heart made of ice. Yeah, it's not just a normal pumping heart. Yeah, it's, it's, like made, it's, it's like literally a, a chunk a, of ice. A chunk of ice. And you think that'd be the easiest way to kill it, just shatter the ice, right? Wrong, because they are much more difficult to kill than just stab the heart and call it good. What you do is you gotta remove the heart, smash it to pieces, then you put the pieces in a box, and that box in another box, then you melt it to somebody who smashes it with a hammer! Wait. All right, Yizma. We're in the wrong area. Uh, but no, but you but you do put the pieces, you do scoop the pieces up, like, like you know, scoop them up, put them into a silver box. Silver box. And then you bury it. Bury it somewhere deep, far away from the Wendigo. The Wendigo body. Then you have to ritualistically dismember it. Like head, hands, arms, everything. You have to separate the body, and then you have to scatter its remains throughout the land. But the easiest way to deal with the Wendigo? Just don't go out in the woods. Just don't go out in the woods. Easy peasy, call it good. Here's what you gotta do to kill a Wendigo. Yeah, don't go in the woods. List all that stuff about the heart. Just... Yeah, I'm just gonna move to Miami. Like, I'm gonna move where it's warm. Yeah, I'm well, not like I'm not. Yeah, try, I heard Arizona's nice. So yeah, try going, try getting up close to a 15 foot giant with a heart of ice. That's not gonna be easy. I'm right here. You're half Words that height. Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> You're half that. Like I'm five foot six. Try me going up against something that's 15 feet tall. I'm like, how do I get it? Well, you'll be at the just the right angle to just. Kick in the nuts and run. I'd have to jump to at least your well, height. Headbutt. Something. If it even has if it even has testes. <laughs> just the mental image of you just running right into the testicles of a Wendigo and just Clang. Ah! Headbutt and run. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Jack Fiddler. Jack Fiddler. <laughs> Because I, I asked, how do we kill a Wendigo? And, and you... As professional Wendigo hunters. Yes. You hit them in the nuts with your head and you run to Arizona. Exactly. Proven method. Trust me, it works. I'm sorry if you die. Yeah. Not my fault. <laughs> so Jack Fiddler had a brother. Yeah. Uh, Peter. Peter became a Wendigo because this is a movie now apparently this sounds like a movie premise that the professional wendigo hunter has to kill his own brother that's become one but yeah he had a brother peter flett killed after he turned into a wendigo by his own brother yeah that's gotta hurt that oh he's that would probably make you retire i imagine out of the business of wendigo hunting yeah he was eventually he was actually arrested for killing someone that was supposedly turned wendigo Law didn't see it that way. They just saw a homicide. Yeah. Which sucks. There was two Northwest Mounted p- Police. The Mounties always had it with their with their justice and their law. I heard of Fiddler's powers and abilities to kill Wendigos. Went to his residence and arrested him on counts of murder for, for murder of a, I believe, Norman Ray for... For murdering this Norman Ray guy. Yeah. Before leaving, 
the Mounties took an eyewitness and declared that each man must give up. What? Okay, hang on. What the heck? I'm just going to read this section. In early 1907, two members of the Northwest Mounted Police visiting Island Lake heard of Jack Fiddler's powers against the Wendigo from Norman. Okay, so from Norman Ray and in-laws of Jack Fiddler's. Seeking to introduce Canadian law in the north, the Mounties went to Sucker Camp at Deer Lake and arrested Jack and Joseph Fiddler for murder. Mm-hmm. Before leaving, they took an eyewitness and declared that each man must give up any extra wives. Where Where's that from? Extra wives? Yeah. Oh. Well, I know, but like, I'm a cop. I come arrest you for murder. You give up all your extra wives. I guess potentially that women were seen as property. Maybe still back then. I'm I'm not for certain. I don't want to make assumptions. Just, yeah, I don't either. But I don't want to catch just... versions, but at the same token, it's like that may be it because this is 1907. Yeah. So like, women definitely back then. <clears throat> women definitely back then, no matter where you went, kind of did not really have um, a lot of rights. And for most of the sucker people, mm-hmm. it seems rude. The <laughs> Mounties were the first whites they had ever seen. So culture shock, massive amount of culture shock, I imagine. Jack and Joseph Fiddler were charged with murdering Wasa Wasakapique. That was a good try. Nine out of ten, maybe. Yeah. Joseph's daughter-in-law the year before. Mm-hmm. So he killed his brother and his daughter-in-law. Yeah. Jeez. Rough times. No kidding. Um. Obviously, media even in 1907 caught wind of this. Picked up on the story, printed sensationalized headlines of murder, devil worship, you know, natives gone wild, I guess. Mm, mm, that. Yeah, that sounds horrible. But that very does sound I'm bad. Probably, I'm probably not far off on a headline, though. Like, I imagine someone wrote that down. Oh, and it probably would not have been natives. It would have been a racial slur oh, big yeah. time. Yeah. Like, it, it would have been like... I don't want to actually say anything... I don't want to really say no. it either. Like, no. Like, it would have been... It would have been... It would have been really probably extremely brutal and, demor- and horrible Dehumanized, to, to Dehumanizing and yeah. demor- very bad. Um, September 30th, though. Good news. Jack Fiddler escaped captivity during a walk outside. A walk outside. He just yeah. was like... He took a walk and then was like, hang left and just walked away. Funny you say... Funny you say hang. Oh... <laughs> Oh. He hanged himself nearby and was found dead later that day. Jeez. Uh, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> His brother, Joseph, uh, still went on trial. Um, Angus Ray, the eyewitness that the Mountie has p- had picked up a, while grabbing these guys, yeah, testified that Wasakapique Wasa was killed while in deep pain and incurably sick, according to the custom of the people who are not aware of the Canadian law. Mm-hmm. When further pressed about the Wendigo aspect of it ray basically explained it to the mounties it was a belief among his people that jack and joseph were actually asked to euthanize on a day well not daily but on a regular basis euthanize the very sick and prevent wendigos from occurring Uh despite some unreliable testimony from angus and pleas of multiple missionaries and traders and locals and his entire tribe basically Joseph was convicted and sentenced to death by magistrate. Further appeals soon further appeals secured his release later on, but they were released. They were secured too late. Um, the order came through three days after his death in 1909. Oh wow! After I mean the aftermath of 
having basically your tribes and your entirety of a tribe, your entirety as a nation, your your leader and his brother, both basically your go-to guys for keeping your your tribe safe. The tribe felt, I want to say fell apart, but they basically ended up submitting to government rule. Mm. And um, Robert Fiddler, Jack's son, actually signed in addition to a treaty as the acting chief in 1910 and chose to settle at Deer Lake as part of the Canadian group, as part of the Canadian um, government. So they got resettled to that they, Yeah, they got resettled. Ah, man, natives, Native Americans, American Indians, First Americans, whatever you want to call them, because they all... You talk to different tribes. All what I all the three different types I said there. Yeah, they'll they'll any of them will take them. Some like American Indian. Some like Native American. Some yeah. even call First American. Whatever the case, the tribes who have been here well before well before Europeans came over, mm-hmm. they have gotten the shit end of a stick oh. so many times. Repeat, yeah. Like not like the can't like the Canadians, the, the people who. Yeah, uh, I mean the Cree. Yeah, <laughs> right there. I mean. Your your leader's killed. Your brother your leader's brother is killed. Who was basically his go to second in command. And you're going to be set up at Deer Lake. And then it's like we had the five tribes from the yeah, east the get trail sent to Oklahoma, yeah. and that right there, it, they just they've had nothing but wanton hor- horrendousness against them. But in I don't know how to phrase this in the positivity of it, if there's any positivity positivity to it, mm-hmm. they have kept their culture. Very intact. That is always a good thing. I mean, the fact that they still have, they still had Wendigo ceremonial dances. Yeah. Up until of late. It's got to say something about the resilience and the fortitude of these nations. And I, I, I know bare minimum on most tribes and their cultures, Mm -hmm. but the mythos and their gods and their, these creatures that they have are just astounding because they, they come from a real place for these people. Mm-hmm. Thunderbirds, Wendigos, the Deer Woman. Oh, yeah. All these creatures were their history. And that just, I just find it amazing that they've been able to keep these traditions going on. And then they've even transferred into pop culture mm-hmm. across the world. Oh, absolutely. Even. I mean, so. it's it's always fascinating because a lot of these stories were oral tradition. Yeah. Very few of it's ever written down. And sometimes some native tribes will have their stories written down just so that way people can learn because sometimes the language does, sometimes their languages do eventually die. Like, yeah. for example, I listened, I, re, I actually read a book in college called the Dine Bahane, which is the Navajo creation myth. That's what mm-hmm. it translates to. And the story was so captivating. Yeah. And the Navajo, and the Navajo are out west, mm-hmm. but they're all so sparsed out. Yeah. And I mean, the, the tribe... The entirety of of Jack Fiddler's descendancy and that entire tribe basically is posted up in five reservations. Yeah. That, that's it. Like there's Deer Lake First Nation, North Spirit Lake First Nation in Ontario, and then three reserves at Island Lake in Manitoba. So you've got this entire culture concentrated down to five areas, and they're all very close together. So... I just find that astounding and very, I don't want to say entertaining, that sounds derogatory, but very interesting. Yeah, I I thought it was the Wendigo. It's always been one of my favorite sort of cryptids, creatures, things. Yeah. 
on that side of it and to actually look into it and study where it came from as best you can Mm -hmm. is really cool. Oh, yeah. But now that's made me wonder, what does a Wendigo look like? Yeah. And luckily, I've been able to find that. Well, you've been able to find one because I know there's two major. There's the mythical creature Mm -hmm. that everyone sort of, I assume, probably knows by now. Everybody by now. And then there's the cannibal side. The the, The mythos. Yeah. In fact, I got got a good description right here. So, you know, what does a Wendigo look like? Uh, let's see. The tall, handsome, almost Adonis-like features, strong chiseled jawline, long flowing mane of hair that shines oh in the God, light. Oh my God, I'm a Wendigo. <clears throat> Piercing blue eyes, a body that looks like it could just got done with a fresh workout. We're talking like muscles all defined and toned and pumped. With an ass so firm, smack that would hurt your hand. <laughs> and then a member that could satisfy anyone for days on end without stopping. You weirded out. What da- website are you reading from? You weirded out yet? You're, yeah, yeah, you weirded out. Yeah. I'm okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, um, I do could, I need to check my Wi Fi after this? Or? <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. But no, but the actual descriptions from most, because they don't really, dis- a lot of tribes don't really describe it, but if they have described it, it's usually depicted gaunt. Like, really tall and scrawny, almost skeletal, probably with a little pot belly from all the just gluttonous attitude. Mm-hmm. With tightly pulled skin, ashen gray like a cadaver, milky white eyes that are sunk far back into the sockets, and height usually changes. It can be 5 feet tall, 6 feet, 15 feet, 20. Sometimes it's an actual giant with long claws, lipless mouth, legitimately looks like a frozen corpse walking around. They even reportedly have multiple powers, one of which is the ability to mimic voices to lure victims out. So, like, hearing people call your name out in the wilderness, it's like, Tony, Tony. Yes. But it's like, but the thing is, you're not supposed to go out there. Oh. You're not supposed to go out there, because that's the Wendigo calling for you. No, that was you. No, I'm right here. Oh Wendigo's my God. Out. Wendigo's outside. We don't want that. So, when it lures the victims out, it grabs them and starts running. Like a big frolic. Like, I'm not going to kill you. Don't come here. Come on. Take my hand. Takes the hand and just starts frolicking with him, then eventually lifts you up in the air and devours its prey. Wendigos also can control weather. So if usually big snowstorms come in, the Wendigos causing it. Because Wendigos, they, just from what I can, just from what all this, they don't reproduce, so to speak. Wendigo, oh no. Oh. Oh God. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Someone's proud of himself. Extremely. <laughs> but the Wendigo, they don't, from just what I can guess, they don't reproduce sexually. I would if hope you could, not. If you could just look at, well, they're a spirit. So it's like, what's yeah. the point? So they sort of do have werewolf rules, wherein... One this, bites another, turns into... Or like, or like tries to tempt the person. Yeah. That sort of thing. Werewolf demon rules. So they send the storms in, which could, which can force people to commit cannibalism. And if a Wendigo sticks around for a long time and they get older, they're going to be more powerful, which is a big duh. Yeah. They'll become stronger, faster, even able to control wildlife with their minds, like owls and bears and even probably deer, stags. They will send them out. Even huh, imagine a imagine a Wendigo controlled moose running at you. Jesus That'd Christ. That'd be terrifying. 
Just moose in general is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Because those things are practically megafauna from the Ice Age, still alive mm-hmm. to this day. Oh, yeah. But the the Wendigo, they have a they have a weird, like, um, substantial growth. Or I forgot the term, but essentially, the more people they eat, the bigger they are. Yeah. So it's like, for example... It's like a pyramid scheme, but for your stomach. Pretty much. An insatiable stomach that just does not know when to stop. Yeah. It's like, for, I'm five foot six, so if a Wendigo were to eat me, like it's already six foot tall, it would probably probably grow at least another two feet. Not like an additional five foot... Not, yeah, it wouldn't grow according to your height, but it would grow... It would slowly grow up. It's like, yeah. that, it's like that game Snake. Yeah. Where you where you nosh on where you nosh on the pellets and you keep getting bigger. Like it's kinda like that. And they obviously have, you know, the insatiable hunger. Yeah. Just does not know when to stop. And I'll I'll reference this again. Going by your description, mm-hmm. the best design, I guess, design, um, artistic display of it was a video game. Of all things, yes. Until dawn. Yeah, I've actually seen gameplay of that. Those are that was creepy. Yeah, and even those are when the ghosts. And even further, they're in. And even further, it takes place in I think it's like either Algernon Forest or it, it, it's a fictional forest. Yeah, but it's based off something I'm sure. But it's based off an author who wrote about the Wendigo. Yep. But of course, it this was an author back then, like the 1800s, 18 to 1900s. So. Problematic language involving Native American Native involving the oh, Native yeah. Americans. There, there were some edits, I'm sure, uh, through but, translation. But yeah, yeah. it's problematic language. But yeah, I mean, I pulled up some pictures of those, and as you were describing, I was like, check, check, check. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Long gaunt body, mm-hmm. massive, just milky eyes, jagged teeth, long claws. It, it's like Dawn of the Dead meets Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a zombified, extra-long-limbed zombie. Yeah. But it's so much more terrifying. Because you see how it moves in the game. Like, it legitimately super speed hops around. It's super speedy. It's hyper-predatorial. Just the way it motions. Because I've seen gameplay of it, too. I I want this game. I still just haven't gotten a chance to get it. It's on PlayStation, which is kind of why I don't have it. Exactly. But, I mean, yeah, hyper-predatorial, hyper-aggressive, just disturbing, mm-hmm. disturbing creatures. And I love that design of them. And I assume you're done sort of describing it. Well, describing it, yeah. I've got some stories, but I'll work okay. out. i got some stories about, like, people's and some people's encounters. Well, let me them. describe the other side of the coin. Absolutely. The more pop culture, the, the alternative to a Wendigo as a zombie golem, mm-hmm. is a completely different monster. It is this gigantic, almost like Forest Guardian-esque spirit. Monstrously big arms and claws. Big moose, sort of um, decaying moose skull, deer skull with antlers. Hi- again, hyper-predatorial yes. because of what it is. But this just evil, evil presence of a thing. Um, and the best description going that direction was actually a recent movie called Antlers. Yes, I have actually seen photos of that. And that, I mean, I saw that in the theaters and I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was very entertaining. And it's very, it sticks somewhat to what a Wendigo is and how it comes to 
existence, mm-hmm. taking over someone's body and spirit, becoming cannibalistic, and then basically taking over, but they take it to a literal form. Yeah. And it sort of alien spawns out of the body of the person it's possessed with just, ugh, I can't even begin to describe. Well, just dripping like- flesh, dripping blood out of the skull horrible nightmare fuel mm-hmm. it makes sense that it would they would keep with a lot of mythology because I mean, guillermo del toro had a hand in making the movie right yes he was one of the producers and he is very much he's very much into dark fantasy yeah. and that sort of thing he loves this type of stuff so um, yeah i mean looking off that and knowing who pro- helped produce it mm-hmm. it looks like it belongs in pan's labyrinth or hellboy oh yeah I mean, he did stray very far from interpretations. I mean, he he went with the other direction of being a monster, monster, not a yeah allegory or a metaphor. Well, when you see, I'll say, like compared to the two the different two different forms, uh, uh, the the more like corpsey looking one, yeah, that's creepy looking. But like then you see this deer headed, multi horned creature walking towards you with just blood dripping down its mouth. Yeah. Uh, that's all, that's pretty freaking scary, especially with, like, tattered fur and mm-hmm. long claws. Yeah, just bloody patches of fur all over, and just, yeah. But I, and it still has the same abilities, too, like it can still speak in human voices. Mm-hmm. What's, what's gotten me is I've always been curious. Like, why do they do the, why do they do, like, a cannibal, uh, uh, like a combination of, like, a wolf and deer skull with horns? I've always been curious about that. Because to the natives, the stag is a very noble creature. Like it's a highly revered, it's a highly revered animal of the forest. In my opinion on that, yeah. And I know as a white male, I have no opinion on it really. <laughs> but if I was to interpret it, it would be because cannibalism is such a perverse thing. Mm-hmm. It's taking one of the epitomes of holiness and goodliness in that culture and perversing it. That's a possibility. And then mixing it with one of the other hyper-predatory things in the culture of mm-hmm. being a wolf or a bear or whatever, and combining that and just making this monster. monster. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to describe these things. One thing I could see on it, too, is the fact that what else is malevolent and has horns in most societies? Christianity's typical interpretation of Lucifer, the devil. Yeah. That's kind of, I can see why that would be too, because especially with a major, especially a lot of people who are unfamiliar with the Wendigo, if you see something that is big, hulking, scary with horns, that would easily be like, okay, yeah, that thing is clearly evil. Yeah, and if I mean, even if you're an early European settler talking to these tribes and they describe this thing, you're going to apply what you know as evil at being the devil and just apply it to them. To their interpretation of evil. Aha. I found it. A lot of this this modern interpretation of the Wendigo, where it's where it's got the uh, the deer head and everything, uh-huh. it reminded me actually of a of a, of an image I found on DeviantArt some years ago, and I had to look it back up. It's called Howl of the Wendigo, and this thing it essentially reminds it's a it looks like it looks like the thing. Like an amalgamation of dead bodies to make the Wendigo. Oh. And it, like, and, and the thing is, it is, I guess. it's based on animals. Look at that. Oh. Oh, my God. What the? I told you, it looks like something from The Thing. 
You can see the human body, the howling, everything. That right there is absolute nightmare fuel. Well, I'm sleeping with the lights on tonight. <laughs> so, God, how long are we into this episode? Oh, we're about an hour, but the thing is, going an hour and a half, I don't, I don't mind. Like, we're, yeah. and, this is, and, and this is before the edits. Yeah. So we're like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got plenty of good content going on. Um, I sort of wanted to touch on the pop culture and my favorite, because this is honestly cryptid-wise, like cryptozoologically-wise. Yeah. This is probably, the Wendigos are probably in my top five favorites to read about, study, learn about mm-hmm. because of its vast history. And like I said, the Until Dawn interpretation of the Wendigos is spot on. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this Antlers movie that came out recently is another it, other side of the spectrum, but still fantastic. Yeah. And then I'm going to throw you a le- out a left field one. Mm-hmm. Marvel Comics. I knew about that one. Yeah. And that one doesn't even look like either. It looks like a Bigfoot with horns. Yeah. Back in the day when PS2 was still the height of technology. Oh, God. Um, I had a friend that had um, an X-Men game. Mm-hmm. And I th- like the second, third boss in was Marvel's interpretation of Wendigo. Which, you, like you said, it looked like a giant bipedal wolf bear man. Man bear pig. <laughs> Don't say man bear pig. I'm super serial. Super serial. But he looked like a giant bear wolf man combination. And he was like freaking 20 feet tall. Yeah. And you had to fight this thing, and it was like the second boss, and it was like, and that's what first caught my attention of Wendigo. So I was like, "That's that can't be a thing. It's a thing. Oh my god, that's a thing." But those are probably my three favorite interpretations on just running the gamut. I do have one from pop culture that sticks to me to this day, and it is—is is it that? Thing that you pulled up from the thing? No. Jesus. No, no. It's just as scary. Do you remember a show back in the day um, on Animal Planet called Lost Tapes? I don't think I ever watched that. It was a, it was a pseudo-documentary style show where everything oh, was told through yeah. first person, through like shaky cam, Blair Witch, Cloverfield style. Yes. And... And they would, and there would be short glimpses of the monsters attacking. It'd be short glimpses, like you would see, like, like every have, other monster show nowadays. They yeah. have reenactments. And this, and these were all like these were all fake. And Animal Planet got a lot of flack for it because, I mean, oh, this is all based on reality. And I was like, no, it's not. Like they had the Jersey Devil, and you actually got to see the creature's face and hoof. But they had one on the Wendigo, oh, and you actually got to see. A combination of not only the Wendigo psychosis itself, but also a physical transformation. Nice. Like the guy, like the guy who was becoming the Wendigo, he he had like a his orange red flannel shirt, and it was getting tattered on the sleeves. At one point, he actually growls maliciously at the camera. We're talking like not even just like a her. We're talking like a full on screech with sharp jagged teeth. Oh. Christ. And then eventually they put, and then eventually they put the actor with a like a deer skull um, head on. You seeing it? No, I'm, I'm trying to find the episode actually. But I mean, there it is. When to go, American Cannibal? Yeah, and it's Ooh. and the, the they put the actor in like a 
and like a deer skull head for good measure to creep it out. And there was one scene where they lit a uh, they lit a uh, like a flare in the cave, and the Wendigo just perks up behind the flames. I remember that that scared. And this was Animal Planet. That scared the hell out of me when Jesus. I was a kid. Like here's an image of here's what I'm talking about. You see that they did like full on. Why would you show me that? You're not gonna sleep well tonight. No, I'm gonna there's, sleep like thirteen guns around me. There's now. what I'm. There's what I'm. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's the other photo. Animal Planet did this. Animal Planet didn't fuck around. No, that thing was terrifying. <laughs> like it's got the big claws. It's got the bloody deer head, and and then just the fact that there was just one scene where they had again the flare. Here's that shaky cam look where you just see glimpses, uh, glimpses and bits and pieces. Jesus. Yeah, dude. That thing was... Animal Planet's owned by Discovery? They now? are. I'm going to have to get Discovery Plus and try and find this shit. If you can find it. They're, Jesus. Uh, some of the, now, some of the more human-looking monsters like that could be done with men in suits, but then oh, they yeah. did like a crack... CGI. Yeah. Then they did a crack, and, and it was like television-level um, CGI, so you could tell. Yeah. It was just slightly off. Keep, My God, that's not real? And keep in mind, this is like, <laughs> I think, 2007, 2008... 2010 is when the Wendigo I go episode aired. I was yeah, it's like in the two thousand like like late like twenty tens definitely is when it came ah. out. So keep in mind the quality of <clears throat> yeah, keep in mind the quality 12. back then. God, two thousand ten was twelve years ago. I'm old. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. You never watched that though. I'm surprised. I know, right? Well, I was busy watching Destination Truth. Fair enough, but I was also watching that at the same time because my stuff, Animal Planet, was right underneath. Sci-fi. Yeah. So it was right there, so I could watch either. I think Animal Planet was like... I still remember sci-fi channels, like, on DirecTV. Uh, it was like channel 144 or something, and Animal Planet was like 184, I think. Oh, man. The weird things I remember. We, we had remember. basic cable. We had basic cable. So, like, sci-fi was 42, Animal Planet was 43. We didn't have satellite for a long time. <laughs> Oh, you poor man. Pompish laugh. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to find those videos, you'll find, oh. you'll find clips online. You'll find the clips online. Oh, yeah, online. I'm sure I'll find all the horrifying things. Oh, yeah, they're going to definitely do the stuff that grabs people's attention. It. So I'm going to assume that was probably one of your favorite interpretations. Yes, in because, culture. because it was a combination. It was a combination of both of our stuff. Like, you got to see the physical decay of him but then the transformation so to speak with the deer with the bloody deer head want to get want to hear some ghost stories about the wendigo are they anything like those pictures you have shown me no i did look over Thank some of them god there's one the last one i do you i've got i think i got three of them three or four so i'm gonna go through them and they all and are and we'll see how creeped out i am two of them are for sure um from the 18th and 19th century. Oh, shit. Like, old time. Like, these are personal memoirs from people. And then the third one is from Reddit. From the subreddit, R No Sleep. So. Why do you do this to me? The one time my wife is at home, I am, or my wife is away, and I am here <laughs> all by myself, you son of a bitch. Oh, I try. I don't have my wife here to protect me. <laughs> you got your dogs. Have you... No. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, our first story is from 1766, pre-America days. 
where Alexander Henry the Elder, probably because he may have had like a son afterwards called Alexander the Younger, the Junior. Is that how that works? Back then it probably did. He was an independent fur trader who was known as a peddler. New Englanders and um, British, they would um, come back. They would go out into Canada and travel out west yeah. to seek it big in the fur trade because beer, pe- deer, deer and beaver were big pa, pa, time. Pa, pa, pa. <laughs> beaver pelts were big into making boots, hats, gloves. I mean, who doesn't have a beaver beaver hat? I don't. Yet. All right, well, well I'm, not, I'm not. I say that. I, I jokingly. I'm not ever going to get a beaver hat. That those no. But yeah. And so the event happened around the south end of Lake Superior. Okay. So recounted, this is recounted in Alexander Henry's 1809 autobiography, Travels and Adventures in Canada and the Indian Territories between the years 1760 to 1776. That's the title? That's the title. Jesus Christ. It's a word salad. They don't, yeah, they, no they, don't they don't compartmentalize it. There's a... There's cults out there, dude, whose title is like 20 words. I'm just they should like, just call it Tall Tales and Short Stories. Yeah, we got tall and short, so right. we're good to go. There you go. It's easy. Let's make so, it easy. So here we go. Come on, Alexander. <clears throat> After being here a fortnight, we were joined by a body of Indians, flying like ourselves from famine. Two days after, there came a young Indian out of the woods alone, and reporting that he had left the family to which he belonged behind in a starving condition, and unable from their weakly and exhausted state pursue their journey to the bay. The appearance of this youth was frightful, and from his squalid figure there issued a stench, which none of us could support. His arrival struck our camp with a horror and uneasiness, and it was not long before the Indians came to me, saying that they suspected he had been eating human flesh, and even that he had killed and devoured the family, which he pretended to have left behind. These charges, upon being questioned, he denied but not without so much equivocation in his answers as to increase the presumption against him. In consequence, the Indians determined, determined on traveling a day's journey on his track, observing that they should be able to discover from his encampments whether he were guilty or not. The next day, they returned, bringing with them a human hand and skull. The hand had been left roasting before a fire, while the intestines, taken out of the body from which it was cut, hung fresh on a neighboring tree. The youth, being informed of these discoveries and further questioned, confessed the crime of which he was accused. From the account, he now proceeded to give it appeared that the family had consisted of his uncle and aunt, their four children, and himself. One of the children was a boy of 15 years of age. His uncle, after firing at several beasts of the chase, all of which he missed, fell into despondence and persuaded himself that it was the will of the great spirit that he should perish. In this state of mind, he requested his wife to kill him. The woman refused to comply, but the two lads, one of them, as has been said, the nephew, and the other, the son of the unhappy man, agreed between themselves to murder him to prevent, as our informant wishes us to believe, his murdering them. Accomplishing their detestable purpose, they devour the body, and famine pressing upon them still closer, they successively killed the three younger children upon whose flesh they subsisted for some time, and with the part of which the parasites at length set out for the lake, leaving the woman, who was too feeble to travel, to her fate. On their way, their foul victuals failed. The youth before us killed his companion, and it was part of the remains of this lax victim that had been discovered at the fire. The Indians entertain an, op- an opinion 
that the man who has once made human flesh his food will never afterward be satisfied with any other. It is probable that we saw things in some measure through the medium of our prejudices, but I confess that this distressing object appeared to verify the doctrine. He ate with relish nothing that was given him, but, indifferent to the food prepared, fixed his eyes continually on the children which were in the Indian lodge, and frequently exclaimed, How fat they are! It was perhaps not unnatural that after long acquaintance with no human form, but such as a gaunt and pale from want, from want of food, a man's eyes should be almost riveted upon anything where misery had not much inroads, and still more upon the bloom and plumpness of childhood. And the exclamation might be the most innocent, and might proceed from the involuntary and unconquerable sentiment of admiration. Be this as it may, his behavior was considered, and not less naturally, as marked with the most alarming symptoms, and the Indians, apprehensive that he would prey upon their children, resolving to put him to death. They did this the next day with a single stroke of an axe, aiming at the back of his head from behind, and the approach of which he had not the smallest intimation. Jesus. Yeah, dude. I mean, to to cut down on the language, I mean, the, the fanciness of it, little kid strolled into a, an encampment. Probably a teenager, about 15. Okay. So, teenager yep. strolls in, looking like a wendigo. Looking, gaunt. Yeah. Um, wild-eyed. Wild-eyed, insane look. I mean, crazy looking. Says he didn't kill it. Says his family all perished due to the weather. Mm-hmm. The natives that are traveling with our writer doesn't believe him. Goes to the encampment that he was at. He finds mm-hmm. the body or finds parts of the body. Yep. Confronts him. Admits it. Wow. Gets an axe blow to the head. They didn't waste time with no, him. No, they they didn't. Again, they didn't waste time to fuck around and find out. They yeah. just found out and fucked around. Yep, pretty much. Wow. And, and then even commenting on the kids and how fat they are. That's some, yeah, jo- that's, that, that's some Jonathan Swift stuff. Did you yeah. ever read Modest Proposal? Yes. That's some Jonathan Swift yeah. ridiculousness. Wow. Yeah. I got another story. Is it? Is this just like an increasing levels of creepy weirdness? You know what? I didn't put that into consideration. But yes. So it's just conveniently. Yes. The last one sort of gives me the creeps, actually, and you're going to enjoy why. But now, this next story happened in 1846. So So we're jumping... About 80 years. Okay. I was going to say just shy of like 100 years or something. Yeah, we're jumping 80 years, because it was 1766. So, yeah, 80 years. Okay. When an Irish Ameri- when an Irish Canadian painter named Paul Kane, he decided he wanted to travel all of Canada and paint the various landscapes and native tribes of the land just to capture capture the beauty of Canada as well as capture native Americans going about their business in the tribes. Okay. Since, you know, photography was since there was only like, you know, one camera back then. Yeah. In 1848, he and his traveling companions traded with a Salto Indian and his wife, who were suspected to be Wendigos, actually. Oh, so they were already alleged. Yeah. He recounted this in his 1859 travel memoir, Wanderings of an Artist Among the Indians of North America. Again, with the titles. <laughs> I know, right? Well, think of it again. That you're getting paid by the word. That, okay. 
And I'll keep in mind on this one, um, any problematic language or slurs, this is their wording, not mine. I am reading verbatim just because this is what it is. I want to... And I'm just looking up some of his artwork and fantastic artist. Yeah. I just want to let that set aside for people. Like, this is not my language. There's problematic language from the 1840s. Always. There always has been. There is a superstitious belief among the Indians, Kane wrote, that the Wendigo cannot be killed by anything short of a silver bullet. I was informed on good authority that a case had occurred here in which a father and daughter had killed and eaten six of their own family from absolute want. The story went on to state that they then camped at some distance off in the vicinity of an old Indian woman who happened to be alone in her lodge, her relations having gone out hunting. Seeing the father and daughter arrive unaccompanied by any other members of the family, all of whom she knew, she began to suspect that some foul play had taken place, and to feel apprehensive for her own safety. By way of precaution, she resolved to make the entrance of her lodge very slippery, and, as it was winter and the frost severe, she poured water repeatedly over the ground as fast as it froze, until it was covered with a, with a mass of smooth ice, and instead of going to bed, she remained sitting up in her lodge, watching with an axe in her hand. When, near midnight, she heard steps advancing cautiously over the crackling snow, and looking through the crevices of the lodge, caught sight of the girl in the attitude of listening, as if to ascertain whether the inmate was asleep. This the old woman feigned by snoring aloud. This welcome sound no sooner reached the ears of the wretched girl than she rushed forward, but, slipping on the ice, fell down at the entrance of the lodge, whereupon the intended victim sprang upon the murderess and buried the axe in her brains. And, not doubting but the villainous father was near at hand, she fled with all her speed to a distance to escape his vengeance. In the meantime, the Wendigo father, who was impatiently watching for the expected signal to his horrid repast, crept up to the lodge and called to his daughter, hearing no reply. He went on, and in place of the dead body of the old woman, he saw his own daughter, and hunger overcoming every other feeling, he saved his own life by devouring her remains. The Wendigos are looked upon with superstitious dread and horror by all Indians, and anyone known to have eaten human flesh is shunned by the rest, as it is supposed that, having once tasted it, they would do so again had they an opportunity. They are obliged, therefore, to make their lodges at some distance from the rest of the tribe, and the children are particularly kept out of their way. However, they are not molested or injured in any way, but seem rather to be pitied for the misery they must have endured before they could be brought to this state. I do not think that any Indian, at least none that I have ever seen, would eat his fellow creature, except under the influence of starvation. Nor do I think that there is any tribe of Indians on the North American continent to whom the word cannibal can be properly applied. Jesus. Yeah, dude. Wow. There's... I gotta give it to the... I gotta give it to the old woman right there. Like, she went full Rambo. She's... She was like, I'm not gonna stay awake. She trapped... She made the front area slippery she had an axe ready she fakes snoring that's a kick-ass granny right there rambo grandma grambo (laughs) we've had like 50 shirt ideas just so far off these puns you and i we just we work together dude (laughs) so i mean i find it fascinating that throughout all these tribes and all these different 
were, I mean, 80 years difference. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Yeah. The the unending appetite, the shunning from your own society, the the pot belly, the the frail skeletal figure, all that stuff mm-hmm. just still sticks. Yeah. That is just again that I mean that touches on the the wherewithal of the mythos mm-hmm. of these cultures and these tribes. Absolutely. But Jesus Christ, why do they have to be so terrifying? Well, I mean, we have stuff like the Boogeyman. Yeah. And that's but, spooky you know, stories. I think I would rather face Pennywise the dancing clown over a Wendigo. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, mm. the Boogeyman don't hold a candle against feral zombie man. Fair enough. Okay, so and I we've do- jumped from the 1700s, 80 years into the 1800s. And now Reddit, so yeah, in I'm, present day culture. Yeah, this is from R No Sleep. This was posted eight years ago by username Unathana, and it is called Wendigo Stories. And this that's can be horrible. I hate you already. <laughs> now I don't know. You know, I'm just gonna go off of this. Now again, this is on Reddit, by the way. So this could just be somebody. Yeah, it could just be a really good fictional story. Oh yeah, but or it could be actual like. Mm, maybe, but I love reading those too. I love reading Reddit stories like that. Like oh yeah, creepy stuff seen in the woods and mm-hmm. forest ranger stories. And then I have to drive home in the dark, or I have to go to bed. Yeah, and then it doesn't work out that well. Yeah, no. So I yeah, str- thanks for the nightmare fuel in advance, you dick. Yeah, my pleasure. I gotta be here for something. All right, so <clears throat> Wendigo stories. When I was young, I often spent parts of summers with my grandmother in her home out in the country. It was my favorite place in the world, and I always looked forward to the week-long stays of gardening, baking, late-night fires with s'mores and ghost stories, and enjoying having my grandmother all to myself. There was a pond, not far from her house, where I would sometimes go to swim. It was home to quite a few frogs, and at night, they made the most incessant noises. I complained to my grandmother only once, saying I couldn't enjoy the night breeze with all that racket. She took me on her lap and told me a story about an old man and woman who lived near a lake. The old man couldn't stand the singing of the frogs, but his wife told him they kept the wendigo away, and to harm them would be unwise. Well, he didn't listen and set about methodically catching all the frogs in the lake. It was a process that took some time, but he did not stop until he had rid the lake of the pesky amphibians. That night, without the protection of the frogs, he and his wife were slaughtered by the Wendigo, a vicious whip-like demon creature with elongated fingers ending in razor-sharp talons and rows of silver teeth as thin and keen as needles. I wrote it off as another of her ghost stories, though she seemed more serious than usual about it. I never complained about the frogs again, mostly because I grew to enjoy them and put the story out of my mind. In fact, I'd forgotten all about it until it came to pass, until it came up this past spring in a Native American literature class I was taking in college. The mention of the Wendigo sparked that old memory of my grandmother's story. I thought she made up the word. I didn't realize that there were stories about it originating in Algonquian languages. Eager to connect something from my childhood to the topic, I googled it only to find that my grandmother had apparently been mistaken. There was nothing I could find about the story she told me, nor any reference of frogs providing protection from the Wendigo. In fact, the Wendigo of legend seemed very little like my grandmother's virgin. 
version. There, they were said to be insatiable, craving human flesh, and sometimes created from the forms of people who had resorted to cannibalism to survive. Descriptions varied, but they sounded almost nothing like my grandmother's boogeyman version. I actually chuckled as I read it, almost a bit embarrassed by how badly my grandmother had messed up the original tale. I changed residences that summer, moving to a newly built 1,000-square-foot-on-each-side duplex on the edge of town. The other side is to be occupied by my landlady, who'd had the place built. However, she isn't scheduled to move the rest of her stuff in and began living there for a couple weeks. She's waiting for her lease to end. Even though my new place is only a few minutes from the edge of town, it feels much more isolated. I enjoy the seclusion of my new home and its proximity to more natural settings. I'm surrounded by the woods, and from my patio, I can even see a pond beyond the carefully landscaped lawn, which is meticulously carved out from the surrounding woodlands. Just like the pond near my grandmother's house, the frogs have put up a ferocious racket lately. I prefer not to pay to run my air conditioning if I can help it, so I have every window open to catch a breeze. That means that I can hear them as clearly as if I were standing on the water's edge. It took a few days to get used to the noise, but I'm fine now, just like I was those summers when I was young. In fact, the noise had been comforting to me during the stress of the move. Tonight is different. I find myself standing in my living room, staring at where the pond is, though I can't see it in the dark. The air is eerily still and oppressively warm, but all my windows are shut, and I feel impossibly cold. I'd long since convinced myself that my grandmother's story had been a silly tale, a twisting of an old legend by irreverent storytellers, but for some reason, I have the most overwhelming sense of dread growing in the pit of my stomach. I don't know what to do. I'm trapped. Leaving my house means braving the darkness beyond my home, but I don't know if I'm going to be safe in here either. The frogs have stopped singing. And on that note... <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so that story, terrifying as it was, that definitely sounded like someone wrote it mm-hmm. to write it. Oh, yeah. Like, ending on such a cliff note. Cliffhanger, yeah. Yeah, cliffhanger. Definitely sounds manufactured, but damn it, that's not a good one, though. I mean, it's on our no sleep, so it yeah. was very appropriate. It, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's what I love about Wendigos, though. Like, the story of the Wendigo, it just, it continues on. Like, as we discussed earlier, Native American culture, especially the a lot of the Algonquian speakers, the Ojibwe, the Cree, the Salto, mm-hmm. just to name a few... They, the Micmacs. They, God, I've forgotten entirely about them. They have continued their. They've continued with these traditions for years, mm-hmm. and now that it has, it has slowly, it has slowly etched its way into pop culture like no other. Like people can make short stories about it. They've made video games about it. Yeah, it's, it's a Marvel I mean, character for Pete's sake. Yeah. It, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Touching but, on that one again. Mm-hmm. Neither of the movies, as much as I love the original, do not do... They never do... I'm going to sound like such a nerd. It never does the book justice. There's only, in a manner, out of that one instance of the Wendigo, it's that... It's, I think, where they're first actually walking to... Uh, where where Judd is leading uh, the Doctor to the to the burial grounds the mm. first time. Um, I think... there's They hear, like... Uh, but it's like screaming and yeah, stomping whispers the woods. in the wind sort yeah, of thing. That yeah. is supposed to be the only case of the Wendigo. Yeah. 
That's in. That's just it. It's and like, that's just in the movies. In yeah. The book. In the book. It's, have you read it? Yes. Okay. Because if I remember correctly, in the book, they they plain call it out as that is a Wendigo spirit. That that and has that's cursed why, the land. And that's why Doc has these visions of walking into the Mi'kmaq burial ground mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then that sort of resorts or sort of translates into why everything that comes back from that ground, from those burial grounds is hungry for flesh and, and not murderous what, and, and not what violent. it used to be. Yeah. yeah. That, that dead is better thing. It turns out. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever watch the sequel to Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery Pet- 2? Yes. Yes. Clancy Brown. That was such his, a garbage movie, but I love it. But his his performance was like yes. the best because he. What I love is the fact that he's he's like six foot four. He's your height. Yeah. He's a he's not a, he's, he's not, not a small dude. He's a he's a big guy, both mm-hmm. in height and broad, and he's not he's the voice of Mister Krabs. He's also foul mouthed because he's been he's he's he loves cursing like. Yeah. I think I heard a story once where, like, Tom Kenny, voice of SpongeBob, was at a panel, and he said, oh, yeah, no, um, that episode where they curse, and it was, like, dolphin calls and everything. Yeah. Like, hey, and they're like, should we actually curse, and y'all edit it out, or just, like, we bleep ourselves? And Clancy Brown was like, I can curse. It's like, we know you can, Clancy. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got this. But I don't think we'll ever get. I don't think we'll ever know for sure whether that whether it was them editing themselves, like saying "son of a," and then just letting it happen, or they actually cursing. That would be that'd be beautiful. But yeah. you know, one can only hope. Just one unedited version of SpongeBob. Yeah, but I'm sure Nickelodeon would go no. Well, that's why it goes to Adult Swim. Pretty much. But yeah, I mean, until dawn, the video game, Marvel Comics, for Christ's sake, mm-hmm. Stephen King. That Antlers movie. I know I keep coming back to that one. That one's just a perfect... It's just so... It's so recent. Yeah. All these different mediums from a spoken language Mm -hmm. story. I mean, I would put it up there with, like, Homer and the Odyssey and the Iliad and all these ancient Greek things because it's still so so long-lasting. And I, I, I mean, like, Reddit... Post no sleep. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. It's just I. I don't know. I guess to sum it up, I mean that's just I love reading historically terrifying monsters and things because there's history to it. Yeah. And that's I think the 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 appeal to it is it's not some it's it's not Freddy from. Nightmare on the Street. It's not Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. That's not Chucky. This was a reality for people, mm-hmm. and for some, still is. And that's what's so amazing to me, and so that's what draws me to it. Yeah, is because there's such historical significance and culture to it. And you know, I thought of something, like going back to saying the Wendigo could control storms. Think about it. When a blizzard comes through and you're starving. You're, what else are you gonna do? Exactly. That actually, a lot of what a lot of what was natural that happened, they took those stories because that's what happened with a bunch of ancient peoples. They would take these natural occurring, natural occurring events, and they would 
throw a twist like why did it happen what yeah. is the cause of this yeah like the greek gods and why everything happened yeah. why the sun came up and went down that well, that was a god mm-hmm. or like for ex- or for example the egyptians if we're going to go there yeah uh, the god uh, the god ra mm-hmm. every day he would be on his chariot going through the sky and then at the end of the day and then they would be afraid that Night would be the end of days of this giant serpent by the name of Apep, beast mm-hmm. of shadows that would just try to take over the world. But then the sun came up again, and they would go, Ra has blessed us. Ra has won once again against Apep. It was a daily struggle. Yep. And then, I mean, to circle the background, a lizard comes in because the Wendigo's hungry, needs a new uh, victim. Needs a new victim or needs more Wendigo's. Yeah, needs needs reinforcements. I I mean, yeah, shit's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I yeah, it's just like I said, it's one of my top favorite cryptids mm-hmm. because of the history. But looking into it more from the spiritual and the cultural side of it, fuck no. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Ah. Uh. So do we? I obviously I don't have any personal experiences with Wendigos. Not not me either. You know me. I don't like going out into the yeah, wilderness. You, you don't mess with that. So I just... So I don't. So I have nothing. Last time, we sort of didn't have an idea what we were doing, but next week... Next time. Not next week. Next time. We do have another one. We're gonna go to Russia this time. And talk about vodka. No. Maybe. But we're gonna mainly most focus definitely. on one of the most famous Russians of all time who has gotten a lot of bad press. Is he really mad? Is he not? We'll find out. The one and only Rasputin. Ra 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 Rasputin. <laughs> but thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in to listen to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I'm Tony. And I'm Tim. And Don't let the Wendigos bite. Because you'll become a cannibal and kill your, your entire family. Just don't kill people. It's much better than that. Yeah, don't kill people. That's (laughs) life advice 